You're listening to episode 30 of the Take the Reins podcast with Nikki Porter. Welcome and thanks for stopping by. You're listening to Take the Reins, a weekly personal growth podcast for horse owners. If you're invested in becoming the best version of yourself in all your relationships, both human and equine, this is the spot for you. Through our conversations, you will learn how to become a stronger communicator, leader, and deepen the connection you crave both in and out of the arena. Horses have an awful lot to teach us, yet very little of it actually has to do with horses. They reflect back to you who you are emotionally, physically, and energetically. They are a mirror to your soul, and it is time to take an honest look at who you are and who you want to become. I can't wait to connect with you, so here we go. Hello and welcome back to the Take the Reins podcast with Nikki Porter. If this is your first time with me today, I guess it's not a welcome back. I guess it's just a welcome and I hope that this podcast serves you so well and I encourage you to skip back to a specific episode today because today is going to be part two of an interview with a fantastic individual. So before I get into it, I will discuss a little bit about um, where you should start if you haven't actually listened to any other episodes. Um, But if you're joining me today again and you met Stephanie Sautel on episode 26, which was uh, titled, Are You Missing Your Horse's Feedback? Today, we're going to continue on our conversation. We absolutely enjoyed our conversation the last time and knew that it was something we wanted to carry on. And I thought this was going to be a great way to wrap up the end of season one for the Take the Reins podcast. And if you can believe it or not, there's only one more episode past this one. So there's going to be 31 episodes in season one. And I'll be starting back up for episode or for season two in September. And I'm so excited. I know in my last episode I spoke about, I think it was the last one, maybe it was the one before. Um, where I spoke about how excited I was about the interviews that I'm going to be bringing to you in season two. And I'm just so excited that I get to have a, a little bit of a fresh outlook going into season two. I'm going to take a small break, but it doesn't mean I'm taking a break away from the podcast as much as just the recording side of it uh, and really connecting with people I think will serve you better. And I've had so many people reach out to me and tell me their favorite episodes and I absolutely adore that. Thank you so much. And also the things that they're looking to receive in the next season and uh, I really appreciate it. So thank you for reaching out. So again, if you have not already listened to episode number 26, I encourage you right now to pause this episode, go back, listen to my first interview with Stephanie Sautel. It was fantastic. I just, I can't talk about that uh, specific interview enough because I feel like it was uh, just a, a fantastic open conversation that allows us to to get an idea of the work that we do with our horses, why we do it, and then how we play a part in that. So today's interview with Stephanie, we like I said, we just continue on with that conversation, but we really do focus today on how horses have helped people work through these unprecedented times with the world being shut down and you know different emotions have really come up for people as a result of this pandemic and our horses are definitely here for us if we allow them to be and it's an opportunity for us to be able to grow as people and as horsemen and horsewomen throughout this whole global situation so 
I can't wait to bring you the next part, so part two of my interview with Stephanie Sautel. And I look forward to speaking to you in a week's time on my last episode. I have a couple awesome things coming up there that I've been um, I've been just pumped to share with you. And I've saved them, you know, the best for last type of deal. So I've saved them till the last episode of season one. And oh, one more thing. I'm just, I can't even wait to uh, to share this more with you. So I'm going to share it right now. And I just partnered up with a great little local business. And I honestly, right now, I think if we're ever to support local businesses, now is the time. These small businesses are the ones that really through this pandemic have been the most affected. If you look at big businesses like Walmart or different restaurant street or chains or whichever else, these businesses weren't shut down. Um, but the, it's the small ones that were, it's the, the little ones that are supporting small families or even big families, but it's the little ones that, um, really could use your support that were affected mostly by this pandemic. So I encourage you, if there is a local or small business, family owned business around you that you believe you can support because it either supports your values or offers you something that, uh, that enhances your life, then I encourage you to do so. So one of those small businesses that I found recently is called East Coast Equestrian Apparel. Now, this is a small business. I'm going to be doing an interview with the owner and creator of this business in the next season, so look forward to that. But I wanted to make sure that I shared with you uh, that through my partnership, I've been able to offer you a discount on their products. Uh, so if you're from the East Coast and you're a horse person, I know that we love showing the things or showing off the things that we are passionate about. Uh, and with everything that's happened in Nova Scotia over the last, I think, like two months or more, it's been overwhelming. And collective strength is absolutely necessary. And I think that we're coming out of this with even more pride in our province and our neighboring provinces as well. So supporting a local business like the East Coast Equestrian Apparel uh, is really important for that, to be able to show that support um, and show your pride. And then as well, it connects back to our pride and our horsemanship and what we do with our horses. And, you know, whether that be that we're a barrel racer, whether that be that we're a rainer or a jumper, whatever, uh, it just gives you an opportunity to connect those two passions and those two places that hold a place in your heart. So if you head over to eastcoastequestrian.square.site, then you can use the code 10 NPC for an additional 10% off there. So I encourage you to go check them out. Look on Facebook uh, as well as Instagram and you can see what they have to offer for apparel. So, okay, let's get into it. I'm pumped for you to be able to hear the remain or the, the rest of my conversation uh, with Stephanie Sautel. Hello, everyone, and thank you for coming back to Take the Reins podcast. Today, I am welcoming back Stephanie Sautel. I am so grateful to have you back on the show today. I absolutely loved our conversation the last time. I received some fantastic feedback about it. People were really able to connect to it. I think that it was uh, a nice, soft, and genuine conversation that really allowed them to connect them to themselves and to their horses. So I'd love to be able to carry that conversation on. And I know that our conversation today is going to be a little different than it would have been if we had had this conversation, you know, like a month ago. So welcome back. I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Um, I'm really glad to be back. And I think the timing is appropriate. I'm actually kind of glad that we had this little break and we're coming back to revisit some of the things in light of um, the current situation. And also I've had a lot of really great feedback from people as well from the first part of the interview. And I just want to say that I love hearing from everybody. So don't be afraid to send me messages and whatnot. Oh, beautiful. Absolutely. And I kind of, I feel like I say that on every episode, but one of the best parts of the podcast is the connection that you get outside of it where people are able to express how, you know, maybe they're just on their way to work that day. And they said, oh my gosh, that's like, how did you know? That's exactly what I needed to hear today. And I think the main thing is, is that 
in a lot of what we're talking about and a lot of how we feel, it just goes to show that we're not alone and, and we're all feeling, you know, similar things on a regular basis. And sometimes a conversation that comes about, it's not directly targeting the thing you're dealing with, but there's so many common emotions in the things that we go through that, um, that it just tends to speak to a lot of what we're dealing with. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Well, I'm going to start out with a pretty like clear question for you. I'd like to talk a little bit over the course of this interview about your experience through this pandemic. Uh, This is something that has touched the entire world. And I find it fascinating to hear how, you know, people have shifted not only in their personal life, but their business and how they've observed shifts in others. And so my first question to you today, Stephanie, is just how have the horses really helped you through this unprecedented time? And then I know that you said when we were talking earlier that you have actually been coaching through this as well. You've had the opportunity to continue to coach and you've coached some new people. And I'd love to hear how, you know, how the horses have helped them through this time in particular as well. Uh, So as far as how the horses have helped me, um, I think the, probably the biggest thing that's coming to mind is just the, the touchstone that they've been for me on a daily basis. Um, I do have horses that I care for every day. I'm their primary caregiver and just that regularity of the chores and the feeding and the checking in with them a few times a day has been really helpful and and therapeutic and grounding. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when I'm outside with them, I'm, I'm out and I'm out with, with the weather and the elements and the fresh air. And those are things that haven't changed much, even though so much of the rest of my life has changed. And it's just been really comforting having that rhythm to my days still and being able to check in with them. And, you know, they, I'm sure on one level, they are aware of the emotions swirling around, but Mm -hmm. on another level, you know, they're, they're not wrapped up in their heads about it the way some of us are. And that's comforting as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And okay, so what was the second part and about? Then, um, yeah, and then you you said you've been working with some other clients, and what are you really seeing that's coming up for people in particular right now that maybe is unique to this situation? I am seeing some generalities for sure. Um, I'm I'm helping people deal a lot with stress and anxiety and frustration uh, and fear. I think those are the probably the overwhelming emotions that people are coming to me dealing with that the horses are are helping them through. Um, it's not surprising here you know, considering what's going on, all the uncertainties and um, and changes that we've been through, things things that none of us have ever been through before in our lives, most of us. Um, and to me, it's we. So I kind of want to take this in the direction of like the mind body connection. Is that okay? Oh, absolutely. Yep. So our bodies store, um, let me take it back even to the, the definition of trauma that I like to work with. Um, it's the definition of trauma that I find most helpful in my line of work. And that is um, that trauma is um, any emotions that you don't or can't process in real time. Mm-hmm. And if you look at trauma in that way, there's probably not too many people around who don't have some sort of trauma. So it can be easy to think of trauma as a really um, a really big impactful disastrous event in your life uh, mm-hmm. but I think trauma can is sort of on a spectrum mm-hmm. and there are certainly lots of emotions that maybe we don't feel are the extreme but that are still big enough that we maybe don't don't or can't process them in real time for whatever reason mm-hmm. and that gets stored in our body um, And often it will resurface at a different time, either when we're in a similar situation that causes us to feel similar things or um, just when it, when it needs to come out, when it needs our attention, you know, we get to a point where we have to pay attention to this because our body needs healing. It can come out in emotional ways or in physical ways even. And I think what's happening now is that a lot of that stuff is coming to the surface for different reasons for different people. And that's a lot of what I'm dealing with when they're coming in to do some coaching with me and the horses. Um, Mm -hmm. It could be stuff that is directly related to 
the pandemic, or it could be things that um, are similar to the emotions that they're experiencing now because of the pandemic, but actually had their origin you know, somewhere at some other point in that person's mm-hmm. life. Yeah, for sure. So the stress, anxiety, frustration, and fear that you're seeing, how is it that you see the horses help people work through those difficult emotions? So the horses, I think the biggest thing is that the horses give people a safe place to, to feel and experience those emotions because the horses aren't judging. They're not overreacting um, to the people as far as, um, I think even um, overreacting is still sort of in the, in the judging, mm-hmm. in the same, um, what do I want to say, in the same line as judging. So they're able to be with the horses. The horses tend to be um, a calming influence and a calming presence. Mm-hmm. Um, the horses help keep people in the moment. And then people are able to stay in touch with, through the, through the horses and my coaching, people are able to stay in touch with what they're experiencing in the moment and those emotions that want to come to the surface. And when you get back in touch with those emotions, let them surface, um, feel them, and then go from there, that's when you get to process those emotions and you're, and you're healing the trauma. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. So how does your work translate into the rest of their daily life? So if they're going in and they're working with you and they're working with the horses through those feelings, and I'll stick with those feelings of stress, anxiety, frustration, and fear, because I think we can all relate to those feelings right now because everything that's taken place just removing the virus alone, removing the fear of the the virus alone, if you think of all of the different pressures that this situation has put on families and individuals and businesses, uh, I think those four emotions are probably at the forefront. So if you could just help me kind of get a picture of, you know, someone goes and they're working through these emotions with you that day and with your horses, but then how do they take that work and have it help them um, when they're not with you? That's a great question. Uh, so I think part of it is just the self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So being aware of what am I feeling? What does that feel like in my body? What emotion is that? And then how do I work through this emotion? Mm-hmm. That's part of it. Because when you go, so in a coaching session, you really have the time and the space to observe what's coming up for you and then figure out what, how to feel it and what to do with it. Sometimes that isn't, we don't take that time and have that space in our, in the rest of our day-to-day life outside of a session that's set aside specifically for that. Mm -hmm. So just being able to practice in the session, becoming aware of your emotions and how you're feeling and your sensations and figuring out what to do after that awareness is really helpful to be able to take that skill out into other situations in your life and apply it there. So typically what someone does when they're feeling um, any of those emotions, when they're in with the horses, it, a lot of times will just get amplified when they're out in other, in other areas of their life because they're often being more reactive and less responsive. Mm-hmm. In, in the space of a session, they have the time to slow down um, and have some support around the awareness and being, and how, how do they want to respond to what's going on for themselves? And if they can practice that and take that into other situations, that's really, really helpful for them to kind of let themselves off the hook, mm-hmm. a little bit of awareness to it and say, how do I want to respond instead of here, I'm in this situation, I'm triggered, I'm reacting. And then in hindsight, I'm thinking, oh, wish, wish I wouldn't have done that, or that made things worse, or mm-hmm. how could I be so stupid, or any, or any of those things mm-hmm. that we tell ourselves sometimes when we get in a reactive state. So it really gives them the opportunity to just become immersed in those emotions and, it, and you give them an opportunity to feel them, process them, think their way through them. And then it's just that awareness piece. And I think the awareness piece is absolutely critical in every situation. But when we become more self-aware, we become more accountable. Now, I just completed a workshop which was talking about the foundation, our own personal foundation, and then how, you know, our mindset and our awareness and all of those things really establish 
our ability to navigate through pressure situations with our horses, with our husbands, whoever it might be. And something that came up for me that I think you're going to relate to is that, you know, I was working through tools with these individuals that were quite triggering and they were triggering emotions in them that they're saying like, oh my goodness, I don't, I don't think I even realized that this was a trigger for me or I didn't realize this was what was happening or that I was feeling this or that I would feel this. Mm-hmm. And so what I said to them was that, you know, when you start to feel those overwhelming feelings, then that's really a sign that that's an area you need to stay in for longer. It's an area you need to stick with in order to work your way through that, in order to process it, understand it, and then get to the other side of it, rather than feel those feelings that are overwhelming and then run from them and say, oh, I'm never going to feel that again. So it's that fear of vulnerability that we kind of keep on going back to, right? Yeah, I agree with that. It's, It's tough to be vulnerable and honest about your feelings, I think the other important thing to realize there is um, there's, there's a really good tie into the horses here. So we, we talked about the body language that the horses present to us when they're communicating and the, the really obvious body language that the horses present are like, you know, pinning the ears, mm-hmm. um, kicking, swishing the tail, running, these big, big movements with their bodies. Mm-hmm. But before the horses do things, big things like that they're communicating in much more subtle ways mm-hmm. like um you know a change in breathing um a change in where they're looking a change in, in how their weight is distributed over their feet mm-hmm. you know little little subtle things yeah. like that that if you miss those then they progress into bigger things so our we do the same things with our emotions and often before the emotions become overwhelming they start off smaller mm-hmm. but if we have um a, like a resistance to a certain emotion so uh, for example I, I dealt with this with anger with myself. I, was, I always considered myself someone who didn't ever feel angry. And in hindsight, this is after a lot of self-awareness and practice around dealing with anger, I realized that I do feel angry, but I had sort of suppressed that in myself. Mm-hmm. And so the only time that I felt angry was when it was really overwhelming and my body was speaking so loud to me about you know, setting boundaries or something like that, that, that anger gives us the opportunity to do. Mm-hmm. They didn't realize it until it was huge and scary for me. Mm-hmm. But now that I can learn to recognize anger in myself at a much more subtle level, I'm not caught in that space where it's so big that I'm just reacting or hiding from it or stuffing it or telling myself some story about my own anger. Mm-hmm. That I, I can respond. I can be more responsive. Mm-hmm. So we, there's that parallel with the horses, with people. So once you get that awareness around your emotions, you can start to become aware of them at more subtle levels and then step in and take, take the steps you need to take or process them when they're more manageable rather than when they get to the point where they're so big that you, you just want to use some unhealthy coping mechanism for them. Oh, for sure. And this takes me back to the fact that you'll hear people, and I hear this with people with their horses all the time, and then um, because I'm acutely aware of it, I hear them say it when it has to do with their children or interactions with other people, especially people that they can get disconnect emotionally from. They'll say that something just happened out of nowhere. So, oh, they just did that out of nowhere. They just reacted like that out of nowhere. And I always go back to that it's never out of nowhere. There are always triggers. And exactly what you just said, it's that like gradual buildup, but there's all those small clues along the way. There's those small reactions that then just build into a larger reaction that if you're not aware enough, then you you may have missed all of those things. And so it appears to have come out of nowhere. Um, And I had another thought that went along with that. And of course it has left me. (laughs) So um, what do you see really when it comes to, you know, that emotion, especially emotions of anger, where do you, how do you see people cope with, I want to say like if they're working with you and they've been like yourself, they've been kind of like bottling it up a little bit. So they're, they, maybe they're not even aware of it. Like you said about your anger. And then all of a sudden they're working with you and those feelings come out in a way that they're just not, they're undeniable. How do you help people work through those feelings? 
I would say the first thing that we do is bring some awareness to it and connect it to um, the feelings. So naming the emotion and connecting it to um, the sensations that we feel in our body so that it's something we can be aware of from moment to moment and as it comes up mm -hmm. in the future. Mm -hmm. The other thing is making some choices around what do I want, what is this, what is this emotion saying to me? What, what opportunities do I have because I'm feeling this emotion? And what is my part in this? What's my responsibility around that? Because it's really easy to put some of that on other people and say, well, if so-and-so wasn't doing this to me, then I wouldn't be feeling this way. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, it's good to, to recognize that you can only do so much about, you know, you can only have so much control over other people and what they're doing, but you can control your own awareness and you can control your own responses and things like that. Mm -hmm. So different emotions give us the opportunity to do opportunity to do different things. So I used the example of anger before and um, a lot of the times anger has to do with um, setting boundaries, mm -hmm. feeling like someone crossed a line with you and um, it gives us the opportunity to look at our own boundaries. You know, do we even know what they are? Do we realize when, we're starting to feel like someone has crossed a line with us. Do we know how to communicate um, boundaries once we realize what they are? There's so many little pieces to that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And each of the emotions, it, it has a different message for us and a different opportunity. So, you know, fear is around keeping ourselves safe. Mm -hmm. And if we feel fear, it's our body telling us that we need to take steps to make sure that we're safe and um you know that can be like physically or emotionally but there's also vulnerability which is um can feel similar to fear mm -hmm. but vulnerability more holds the opportunity for growth whereas fear is more about survival mm -hmm. so it's part of an emotional skill set to have the awareness to be able to discern between the two in that case because they often feel similar yeah. So there's a lot of different pieces to that as far as what do I do when people are experiencing those emotions. But definitely having the awareness about it and the openness to take some responsibility for it and to recognize what your options are and also to um, to learn about each of the emotions and what opportunity is presenting itself in that moment. I would say mm -hmm. those are the biggest parts around that. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny, as you're talking, I'm kind of going back to the fact that we're always saying that we want to be happy, right? So, you know, there's a lot of push for positive emotion all of the time. You want to be happy, you want to think positive thoughts. And I think it's important for people to understand that it isn't that we want to only feel these positive feelings all of the time. It's that we want to to use our feelings that we deem or, or that we classify as negative to be able to create a system within us that creates a healthier lifestyle for us and a healthy environment for us. And I love that you're saying when you feel those feelings that it's connected to something that we can actually control. So rather than feeling that anger and then associating it to a lack of control, it, it actually allows you to be able to see a possibility or an opportunity to take control back in your life. So you can create those boundaries. Um, I was working a couple of days ago with women and, and on that boundary making and looking at the values and really making sure that we understand our values before we start trying to create boundaries so that we understand where, where those triggers are for us. Why do we feel that way? Well, that's because we have a really strong value in honesty or whatever that might be. And then the, the fear that, that, in, that need to, for survival and safety and really feeling like, okay, when I'm feeling fear, that's an opportunity for me to understand that I can create a, a more safe environment for myself. Now, that being said, I'd love your opinion on this because this is a situation that I'm dealing with with my daughter right now. Uh, she's six and she's very cautious in life. And I'm working with her to have a slightly different association to a physical feeling in her body and how she interprets that 
within herself as an emotion. So for instance, if she is feeling um, excited about something, then she has a tendency right now to go to the words, I'm scared. And I'm scared could be that she's scared to go and lope on her pony. I'm scared could be that she's scared to do try something for the first time. or And that could be food. It could be a word. So she's really, or it could be that she's scared to like go in and do something that you know it's a matter of excitement. So do you see that that ability to shift our association through shifting how we interpret those emotions and those physical feelings in our bodies? Definitely. I come across that all the time. Okay. Um, it's, it's really common for people to... Um, combine emotions or to have one emotional term that they apply to a lot of different emotions or feelings. Mm -hmm. For example, um, I mean, you're the one, the example that you're using with your daughter is, is really perfect because I do see the same thing when people say I'm afraid. Sometimes they use fear for vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes, especially I'm, I'm generalizing. So Mm -hmm. there's definitely exceptions, but often um, women feel sad when they feel sad or when they feel angry. Mm-hmm. And it's not uncommon for men to feel angry when they feel sad. And I, and I think some of that is cultural conditioning, mm-hmm. but it's, it's definitely common that people, um, how do I want to say it, that people can't identify the differences between their own emotions or they lump them into one category for whatever reason. Um, so it's good to develop the vocabulary around that. And I think, again, the, the mind-body connection is really important there because often what you might term, um, you know, fear, fear might sit in a different place in your body than vulnerability, or there might be some subtle differences, or anger might make you feel one way in your body, like maybe you, you clench your fists or you have shallow breathing Um, whereas sadness might feel like a pit in your stomach or a heartache or something like that. So it's, I think it can be helpful to name the emotion and also identify the sensations that you're feeling in your body. Does that make sense? Oh yes. Yeah, for sure. And then also to have someone like a coach or a mentor or a guide or be reading a book about emotions to have some place to get another perspective from, you know, Mm -hmm. to have someone say, well, is it fear or are you feeling vulnerable? Is it, is it anger or do you really feel sad? You know, what's, what's under that? And to give you more words to use or to throw out different options and to be able to, to play around with that. And a lot of it too is like just letting yourself off the hook mm. to feel how you feel. Um, try to suspend judgment about it because we have a lot of judgments about our emotions, which only makes it more complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And if you can get to a point where you don't have to term them as good and bad, but you can just say, I'm having these, these emotions because it's my internal GPS, you know, this is how my body's helping me get through life. And I need them all, whether they're comfortable or uncomfortable or good or bad. Mm -hmm. I I need them all. They're all helpful if I know how to look at them. Mm -hmm. And if you can get to that point, I mean, it's, it's such a relief sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. rather than being in your head about it and judging your, judging your emotions. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny the different memes that are going around right now that have to do with emotions. And I, I read one, I think it was just this morning I read one and it said, how are you today? And the person was like, well, I'm, I'm happy. And then I'm sad and then I'm crying. And then, so like one minute they're here and then the next day they're like, can't peel themselves off the floor. And I really feel like that's where we where we are right now that that you you spoke about at the beginning that regularity right the, so the horses are bringing this regularity to you that's therapeutic in the sense that you know you have that routine and you're taking care of them and it gives you that purpose and i really feel like right now that a lot of people's purpose has been kind of taken out from underneath them and they're left with themselves and a lot of the times we're not even sure what to do with ourselves because when things get quiet, if we've spent so much time avoiding those feelings, then it's it, they're hard to navigate our way through. And I do think it's a great opportunity for us, um, but it's a lot of hard work. 
Yeah, I've noticed that too, the, the ups and downs and the, just the huge spectrum of emotions that I'm noticing in everybody, including myself. I mean, I certainly mm -hmm. have days where I'm feeling like superwoman lately and I've had mm -hmm. days where I felt really, really low. Mm -hmm. And I think the difference between uh, myself and maybe some of the, some other people is that I do have a lot of experience with um, emotions, you know, mine and other people. And I have a lot of skill set, different skill sets around emotional intelligence and processing mm -hmm. emotions. And I use my own tools, you know, I can use my own tools and, and help myself through that. Mm -hmm. But there are other people who don't have as much practice with working with their own emotions and then feeling all these ups and downs. And like you said, being confronted with them because we're not, we don't have our regular distractions. Mm -hmm. It can be terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't help but think of families that are in really trying situations and on a regular basis, things are a challenge and then you add the pressures. So it's, I know that it's a, it's been very difficult for a number of families in the homes, um, in their homes. And, you know, there's, you add financial stress and all of those other things. And the one thing that I really feel like we're gaining the ability to do is to use the time to work our way through the things that we're feeling um, because we're never given time. This would be, you know, the first, I want to say the first time, uh, the first time that we've been given time. So it is, it's an opportunity for us to kind of really figure out how we're feeling now versus how we were. And uh, something else that I've really noticed is that prior to uh, this situation is that people, you know, they were complaining about going to their jobs and they were complaining about this and complaining about that. And then those things were taken away. <laughs> they couldn't do them anymore. And now they're complaining about the very thing that they were wishing that they had prior to this pandemic. So I think it's an opportunity for us to really reflect and for us to say, okay, like, why was I feeling that way? And maybe it's showing us that a lot of our emotions really have a whole lot less to do with the outside world and a whole lot more to do with ourselves. Yeah, you just made so many good points there. I don't even know if I can pick them all apart, but <laughs> it, Thanks. It, it, it's, okay. it's a really big opportunity to shift our perspective and to experience things from you know, maybe the flip side that that we maybe we thought we wanted something, but now that we have that in a way, maybe that's not exactly what we wanted after all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's good to be able to examine things from the other side. Um, it might not always be easy or comfortable, but we definitely, like you said, have the opportunity to do some reflecting and we have the time to do some reflecting, which we don't normally have. Mm -hmm. um, and I hope that's one of the things that some people will want to hold on to going forward and that's that um letting themselves have the time to check in with themselves mm -hmm. and saying you know what how am i feeling why am i feeling that what what about this do i want to keep what do i want to let go um it, all, all those little pieces i mean you you just made so many good points thank you i think yeah that letting go piece stephanie is so important because i think that we want to complain about the things that we feel like are serving us, but the devil we know is often better than the, you know, more comforting to us than the devil we don't. So when, when it comes time to really choosing to let things go, this is like one of those times where it's almost given to us, where it was already taken away from us, and now it just means we don't have to pick it back up. Yeah, it, it was sort of a forced letting go, mm -hmm. <laughs> whether we wanted it to be or not. It, a lot of it was decided for us. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important now to take a look at your priorities and what you're missing, because that does say something about, um, about your values and what was important to you. And that will help you decide what you want to pick back up and maybe mm -hmm. what you don't need to pick back up. And, and yeah. sometimes the answers are surprising and sometimes they're not. Yeah. Well, it was interesting for me. I had a conversation with a friend of mine a couple of days ago, and I realized that this weekend uh, is Mother's Day. 
And prior to that conversation with her, I had had a conversation with my husband about the fact that, um, so our daughter's six. And like I said, and my very first mother's day, I spent at home with her and I have not, this sounds terrible, but I have not spent a mother's day with my daughter since her very first mother's day. So that's five mother's days that I have not been home because my husband and I teach on the road. So during this whole shift, we have had conversations around the changes that we will try to make within our business that we want to serve the people that we've been serving because we love it so much and we see the impact. Um, but we really need to be able to reflect on how that's impacting our family as well. And so what I discovered is that I scheduled a workshop and a full eight hour online workshop for Mother's Day. And I went to bed and I woke up thinking about this for the last few days. And finally I woke up this morning and I was like, you know what? I'm just rescheduling. So I sent out an email to my whole email list and put it on Facebook. And I said, you know, here are my new dates. And I think that was the first step to me actually actively choosing to maintain a different lifestyle than I had created. And I don't say that, that we aren't responsible for the life that we created because we absolutely did. But this is an opportunity for us to really reflect on how it was created and what it turned into and how we want it to look now to make it healthy for everyone. Yeah, I think that was a perfect example of what we all have the opportunity for now. You know, you you were forced into something different. You took the time to reflect on a, on a different perspective, noticed how it was making you feel, and then decided what was the next best thing um, for you and for your family and for, you know, the people that you serve as well. Mm -hmm. um, almost gets back into those win-win situations that we touched right. on in, yeah. in our first conversation too. Yeah. And it's funny because in the past, I would have not made the change out of fear of judgment or fear of disappointing people who had already told me they're going to, they'd like to be in the workshop or um, I fear uh, people feeling like I'm not all in or that I would be inconsistent. So I would typically just be like, never mind, it's okay, I'll do everything on Saturday with her and just keep and just roll with it. And uh, it be I think it's because we do have this time that we have right now that I could actually sit with that feeling and realize that this is this is a great time for me to be able to draw a new boundary with myself and then with the people around me and and to really process the fact that you know, it's the people that would be upset with me for making that choice that I, maybe those aren't the clients that I'm looking to have right now anyway. That's a really good point. And the, and the other part to that too is that you want to think of how are you approaching that interaction with your clients also? Like, are you, are you approaching that from um, being afraid or are you approaching that because you really show up? really authentic and, and mm -hmm. solid place. Because if you approach that from some sort of a fear of disappointing someone or catering to people who maybe aren't your ideal clients anyway, you know, eventually, you know, you think maybe you're going to build up some resentment around that and it's mm -hmm. going to trickle into the rest of your life. And it definitely is a ripple effect. So mm -hmm. it's really good to notice all of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny how, you know, as you start to make those sort of decisions, how you can see how that would trickle into things. And I do think that it was probably one of the healthiest processes that I've gone through in a little while where I felt really, really good on the other side of it. And to talk about it now, I feel really good about it. And the response that I received from from people uh, was really nice as well. So I feel like, you know, when we're authentic, when we're able to say, you know, this is how I'm feeling right now and this is why this is happening. I think people, that's what they're, they're craving. I think so too. And it, it it's, um, it also has a different feel for it. Like if we're taking this back to the mind body connection, it has mm -hmm. a different feel to it. You know, probably has a different, you, you just said you felt better on the other side of that decision. So mm -hmm. you know that it feels different probably mm -hmm. significantly different. Um, and it's going to feel different to other people as well, you know, whether they're aware of it or not, because it's going to come mm -hmm. across, you know, in the same way that um, 
if, if you spend some time around your horses um, with sort of holding one of those decisions in your mind or in your heart versus holding the other one in your mind or in your heart, you would probably notice some differences in your horses as you were spending time around them, being mm -hmm. in one scenario versus the other, even if it was just like through um, like a simple meditation or just through focus on playing with the different options you had in front of you, mm -hmm. you would probably get some feedback and that's because the horses are reading how you're coming across energetically. And that, that energy that you're putting forth in either of those scenarios is coming across to the people that you're with as well, whether they're aware of it or not. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like we didn't have that conversation the last time we spoke, did we? What's that? About uh, making decisions and actually using our horses. It's a little bit of a, a different conversation for people to be able to have and hear, um, but allowing those horses to be able to be a, a bit of a reflection about how we feel about those decisions. I don't feel like we had, I feel like I had that conversation with someone else on an interview which makes right. me feel like I should figure out who that was. Um, <laughs> but I love that you're bringing it up because I love that you and her are both able to communicate that to people and to be able to show that our horses serve us in so many ways. And that it's not, it's really not about the fact that, okay, my horse knows whether I should A, B, C, or D. My horse knows how I'm feeling energetically about A, B, C, or D. Exactly, exactly. And it comes from them, um, you know, horses being prey animals. And one of the ways they've survived is that they are aware of the intentions and the energetic qualities of the other um, animals around them, specifically predators, but of their environment, really. Mm -hmm. So they're aware of everything that's going on for us. And we're going to come across differently if we're being authentic versus if we're being inauthentic, even if we aren't aware of it ourselves. So that's one of the things that horses offer to us is they can bring our awareness to when we're being inauthentic, even if we weren't previously aware of that. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, again, I'll speak in generalities because there certainly are exceptions, mm -hmm. but horses often come across as um, uncooperative, distant, um, disengaged, um, aloof, uh, things like that when we're being inauthentic around them. Mm -hmm. And then when we reach a, a place of authenticity, um, all of a sudden, it almost some, sometimes almost seems like magic. All of a sudden, they're becoming, you know, engaged or cooperative or interactive. And it's, it's not really that, that they, that the horse, the horse didn't change. They didn't get trained to do anything. It's, it's really can be a reflection of um, the people in their environment. And if you have mm -hmm. a trained facilitator who can point that out, especially someone who knows the horses as individuals, mm -hmm. um, you can become more aware of that feedback that you're getting from the horses. Mm -hmm. And what a fantastic um, tool to have as a horse owner to be able to tune into yourself simply by being able to observe your horse's behaviors around you. Um, just a little bit of like a self-reflection tool for you where you go in and, and they just, they're such masters at presence, right? And, and making us tune in. Uh, so that, yeah, if, if, if we could become more aware of that and then use it within our own horses, even when we're outside of the, um, the training opportunities within the, the equine assisted facilitated learning and those sort of situations, it would be very powerful. Definitely. So Stephanie, I want to, so we've been chatting for a little while. I would love to be able to finish our conversation by talking about the fact that, you know, during the last, gosh, it's probably been about six weeks. I haven't kept track. Um, it feels like longer some days and it feels like way shorter <laughs> others. Um, but, you know, there's been an extensive period of us living a life where others outside of us are telling us how we need to function within our daily routine, right? And so I would love to be able to hear from you about, you know, some of your own personal struggles through this and then some of your own personal blessings that you have found throughout this situation. Okay. 
Oh, that's a good question. So some of my personal struggles, um, for sure, the loss of income is mm -hmm. a big one. I'm having to stop most of my, um, most of the interactions with my clients, certainly not all of them, but the majority of them, that's mm -hmm. been a challenge. Um, missing the connection and the time that I've spent with them is, has been huge. Um, there's lots of people I'm not seeing on a regular basis now and lots of horses that I'm not seeing on a regular basis. And I miss all of them very much. Mm -hmm. It's encouraged me to reach out in other ways, um, but I definitely miss the face-to-face -face time with them. Mm -hmm. um, let's see, what other challenges? Um, I think part of the challenge has been letting myself feel how I feel about the challenge itself and about the opportunities. And it's, I'm a really optimistic person. So one part of me just wants to say, okay, I get to do all these cool things because I have time and I get to do things that I haven't had time to do. And, and I have, um, you know, the motivation to get creative because I can, but also there's, you know, there's fears around that and there's self doubt around that. And, definitely just putting one foot in front of the other and letting myself be how I am from moment to moment is a challenge, but it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's good. I mean, I, I know that I have the tools to tackle it mm -hmm. and it's good for me to use my own tools, the ones that I use with other people because mm -hmm. I get more experience with it for myself. And that's that much more that I can share with others. Um, and it's good to hear that someone who is so educated in the area of emotions and navigating emotions that that's still something that you personally you have to work your way through and it is something that those tools you really don't use them once and then go okay well i've learned that mastered that it's something that you really you have to pick those tools up time and time again in order to be able to successfully navigate and master your own emotional health and intelligence definitely i mean we're all human so mm -hmm. it's not that you learn these tools or you learn about emotions and how to handle them and then all of a sudden you don't have the ones that we would think of as negative or the unpleasant mm -hmm. ones and you still have them <laughs> yeah. it's just what what you do with them and how you react to them might be different but you still have them and, and I still have them and and it's it's good to be as challenging as it can be it's still good to be transparent about that um, I was actually having this conversation with uh, with a friend of mine who's also a facilitator with her horses the same way that I am and we were talking about things that we could have put out online because that's one of our opportunities right now is to be, uh, uh, to increase our online presence a little bit. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about, you know, some of the details around that and how we would structure it, what we would call it and just having a conversation, just brainstorming. And, and I pointed out that this is, this is our chance to walk our talk really yeah. <laughs> as vulnerable as that is. But yeah. like you said, it's, it's good for people to see, that even even the experts in this field, um, they're human, and we mm -hmm. use our own tools, and we have the same challenges that everybody else has. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. To me, that's a comfort. I mean, if I if I'm looking for some support, I I think I want to know that it was someone who's been through what I'm going through or has had their own struggles, not someone mm -hmm. who's like immune to them or doesn't have that experience on a daily basis. Yeah, and I think that the other part of that too is just to see that. You know, you could be, you could be learning about this and becoming educated from the top professionals for your entire life. And it's still going to feel a little bit like work sometimes. So there's going to be days where you're like, yeah, like I got this, I feel great. And you can navigate through even slightly challenging times a little um, with a little bit of ease and you can kind of pat yourself on the back, but then there's always going to be those times where you know, you have to work your way through it. And, you know, I came, I had a conversation with uh, an old riding coach of mine actually a couple of days ago, and I haven't spoken to her in quite some time. And she said, uh, she said, oh, so how are you doing? And are you getting to ride lots? And I, you know, I told her that I had switched over. I used to be a hunter girl and she taught me when I did hunters. And, uh, and I told her that I switched over to reining and I, asked her if she knew what that was. And she told me that, you know, is the dressage of the Western world. And then I caught myself getting into a little bit of my own story around my confidence. And I said, you know, it's, it's a lot to learn. Like I, I feel like I'm a little over my head. Sometimes there's days I feel like I don't even know how to ride. And she like, 
she looked at me and she or she she said to me around the phone she was like you absolutely should not feel like she just gave me this huge lecture she's english and she's so funny she's in her 80s and uh, she lectured me about the fact that i should not feel a lack of confidence because of the successes that she saw me have at such a young age so i mean like she took me to toronto when i was 14 and so she was telling me and reminding me of all of these times that she had shown me the way through challenging times with these horses these young horses these more these challenging horses and saying you know you did it at such a young age but i mean i'm 36 now and i'm feeling right now the same way that i felt when i was with her then and i've done a lot of personal work and i've done a lot of work with my horses and and my own education and those feelings they they come up and you just learn how to navigate them yeah i think it's important to realize that the first few times you face emotions or emotional challenges, sometimes it, in, it can feel insurmountable, especially if you're dealing with emotions that you're not noticing until they feel huge. You know, we talked about mm -hmm. that the emotions start off subtle and then grow until they get our attention. Um, if that's the first time you're dealing with them, it can seem really insurmountable, but I think you get the experience of the awareness and the emotional intelligence and the processing. Mm -hmm. And once you get that under your belt a few times, you, you do get this sense of a little bit of confidence or knowing, okay, I've, I've faced this before, mm -hmm. even though it was difficult or uncomfortable, or I didn't quite see the way I did get on the other side of it. And I think every time you go through that cycle, it, it just gives you a little bit more confidence for the next time, or at least gives you the mm -hmm. experience of I've done this before. And I know that it's going to be okay on the other side. Like I know there is another side to it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's helpful because, you know, the very first time you're facing something like this, um, it, it can seem like there isn't anything on the other side, you know, mm -hmm. or, it's, or it's never ending or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when you feel it again and you go, oh, okay, just because I navigated through it doesn't mean it's not happening again. <laughs> Um, it's, yeah, that seems to always come back, but it just, that experience is crucial. So what are a few of the blessings that you have seen along the way over the last few weeks? Um, one of the things that I've gotten back to that I have let go for a long time is, is writing. And I have, um, I have a few blogs in the works that I, I haven't released yet, but they're um, they're ready to go. I haven't written in forever. I really enjoy it. So that's been a blessing for me to get back into that pattern. Also, I, I've had more time for coaching, and because it's one of the things I enjoy the most, and I have extra time, I've I've been able to put more opportunities out there for people to accept that service from me. Mm -hmm. That's been a huge blessing. And I honestly, I have a, a lot of um, a lot of friends that have supported me in a lot of different ways, mm -hmm. and I'm. I'm a really independent person uh, and it's some has been difficult for me to accept help at times, mm -hmm. but I have said yes to a lot of help recently and it's been really touching to me to see who has stepped up, who's, you know, who's in a place where they're paying attention to me and what I need and what they've offered to me as help. And that's been a good experience for me to go through because I, I can be very independent. You know, mm -hmm. it's good. It's good to realize that some people are in a place to give help and it's okay to receive that. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that would be a whole other conversation between you and I, um, because I think we're con conditioned into, you know, whether we're someone who expects help or, or never wants to accept help or whatever that might look like. But I think that comes with a whole lot of, um, a whole lot of conversation. It does. Um, and another realization I've had around that is that because I have accepted um, help or allowed myself to receive help, I've been able to help other people because of mm -hmm. that. Um, and I don't need to get into the details necessarily, but it's mm -hmm. been this really, um, this really rewarding cycle of being able to pass it on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's good. I yeah, I really like that because if you do struggle to accept help, and I completely relate to what you're saying, uh, I have a hard time accepting. I'm continually being told by my husband that I need to learn how to delegate. That if you can change your perspective around it and change your mindset to be able to have that piece, like you said, where you can pass it on, that 
makes it less, I don't know if I have the word selfish connected to the feeling of receiving help. I'm not quite, I haven't really navigated through that yet or why I feel any sort of resistance around asking for help. But yeah, I think it's really neat if you can think about it that way. And I think you just helped me kind of make a little bit of a shift there myself where I can say, you know, there's oftentimes that majority of the times that I'm offering to help, um, but there's a there's a process of receiving help that is going to be very therapeutic as well. Yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Flip sides of the same coin. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I think that was a fantastic conversation yet again. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me again. No problem. Uh, I wish you well, and I hope that things go back to semi-normal sometime soon. I'm really glad that your business is kind of bringing you in a place right now where you're being able to do the things that you really enjoy, like your writing and like your your one-on-one coaching. That's fantastic. And, you know, I hope that you're able to hold on to those things and not pick up the things that you don't want to take along with you. And, uh, Yeah, I'm really grateful for you being back on the show. Thank you. I I hope the same thing for you and for everybody else too, that we can spend this time reflecting and decide Mm -hmm. how we want to go forward from here. Absolutely. All right, Stephanie, great talking to you again. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please leave a review and share it with your friends. To learn more about me and what else I have on the go, skip on over to NikkiPorter.ca. Thanks again for listening, and we'll connect again next week. Until then, remember, you have the power to take the reins and live the life you've always wanted. You just have to step into the arena with an open heart and an open mind.